Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup, and we're talking about the final mayoral debate, recent labor movements and workers' rights, and why a trans teen book has become one of the most banned and challenged books in the country. It's Friday, April 28th. I'm Trinina Ree, and here's what Philly's talking about. Kristen Hunt, senior staff writer at Philly Voice. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. And Lizzie McClellan-Ravitch, workplace reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thanks for being here, too. So happy to be here. Okay, so this week was National Pretzel Day. (laughs) So first, I have to ask you all, do you like pretzels? And if so, what's your favorite place to get one? I love pretzels, although I don't know if I have a favorite place to get one. I'm actually in the market if anyone has good recs. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you like soft pretzels, hard pretzels? Oh, a soft pretzel. Okay. So my favorite place is I love to go to Wawa. And I feel Mm. like this is... um, it might be controversial, but Wawa <laughs> has the, you can get a single pretzel or you can get a two, uh, like mm-hmm. a, a, a duo set mm-hmm. <laughs> of pretzels. So that's that's why I like that place. <laughs> Lizzie, what about you? Well, I, I too love options. So, you know, I, I'm not a huge pretzel eater, but when I do have a pretzel, it'll be a soft pretzel. It will be somehow sweet and it will be from Philly Pretzel Factory with a, a, a some sort of good sauce. I recently tried their chocolate dipping sauce for the first time and it changed my life. So Yeah, I love their um it's like the cream cheese or the uh, buttercream, buttercream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so good. So good. OK, let's get started with uh, this week of news. This week was the final mayoral debate. Uh, Kristen, there were six Democratic candidates at this week's debate, and this was sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce of Greater Philadelphia, United Way and 6ABC. And the candidates have been participating in so many forums and debates during this election cycle. We've seen some people drop out of the race. Did voters learn anything new about these candidates this week? I don't know. I I do think we heard a lot of similar themes um, that we've heard in a lot of the past debates and forums, as you mentioned. Ethics was a big thing, um, and it has been in the last couple ones, um, particularly because of all the news about For Better Philadelphia, which is the super PAC aligned with Jeff Brown that was sued by the Board of Ethics. That sparked a lot of sort of criticism a lot of the candidate other candidates have jumped on that as well and actually it was was heated it was heated at moments right yeah well that's what I was gonna say in the in this current one you kind of almost saw like a brawl over who was more corrupt (laughs) um going on where um he kind of like made a vague accusation towards Helen Gim uh she brought up a fine that Alan Dom had faced uh, for a failure to disclosure while on city council. There was a lot of other talk about who else might be funded by a super PAC. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this, 
I think a lot of the candidates are trying very hard to seem like outsiders, like they're not part of the current political establishment, even if they are uh, experienced politicians. And this is a piece of that, right? They don't want to be perceived as part of the current problem. Mm, interesting. And also Committee of 70, a nonpartisan group, is scheduled to release their poll today. And this is the first independent poll of the mayor's race. And what they did is they asked 1,000 likely voters to rank which candidate they would like to see as mayor. So which is a, which is a little bit different, <laughs> right, from how a, the actual mayor is chosen. <laughs> um, there are some people who think that Philly should implement that uh, in future elections. It might be good to get a sense of if people are on the fence thinking that maybe I need to strategically vote for someone just to knock out someone I don't like, it can be illuminating in that way, right? And I think even in the current debates, you kind of got a sense of who's perceived as rivals based on who asked who questions, um, because there was a moment where um, the candidates could ask each other questions. And so it can be helpful in that regard. But again, when you actually go into vote on uh, the primary election on May 16th, it's not going to be very useful in action. Yeah. Something else I thought was kind of interesting. um, The local news outlet, Billy Penn, also has this meet your mayor quiz, um, which I've seen people on social media actually take. And some people are surprised, like which candidates match up with them. And so it helps voters find out which candidates best match with their particular issues. It's 52 questions and they estimate that it'll take take folks about 10 minutes to complete. So there's lots of tools out there so that you can stay connected. And I know Philly Voice and Kristen, you've been following the candidates. And so we'll link those things in our show notes for people to stay connected to. All right. I want to shift gears a bit and bring Lizzie into the conversation. Lizzie, you've been following a lot of recent labor movements in our area. There's been a lot of, you know, strikes and calls for worker rights issues being discussed as well. What does this say about labor across industries and institutions in our city? Yeah, it's so interesting what we're seeing right now from both some of these brand new unions that are just starting to organize and figure out, you know, their plan and and also from some of the more established unions where we're seeing, you know, a lot of strong stances being taken during collective bargaining. In a few cases, we've seen strikes, which always grab a lot of attention. Um, You know, of course, there was recently a strike at Temple. There was a strike at at Rutgers. You know, so we're seeing that happen in in higher education. Last year, we saw um, the strike at the art museum as well. And, you know, the, the interesting common thread between those very established unions and the ones that are brand new is that they're all kind of feeling empowered right now. In in Philadelphia, there seems to have always been a lot of talk about unions and um, their, you know, the the influence that they can have on both workers and just and the city as a whole. But still, you know, throughout Pennsylvania and throughout the United States, uh, union membership is not very high, and and that seems to be a surprise to a lot of people. But also, uh, what we're seeing right now is the interest in being part of a union is very high. Mm. From October 2021 to September 2022, the National Labor Relations Board saw a 53% increase in union election petitions, which is you know something that that people will 
put in when they want to form a union. And that's a long road. That's the beginning of a long road for those people who are interested in doing so. So we're still kind of seeing it all unfold. But behind it all is just workers who are feeling like they need to take some control over how they spend their workday and how they're compensated for their work. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Yeah, Lizzie, I'm always curious to know, though, like, even with this, I guess, momentum to for workers to feel empowered right now, what's been the reaction from business owners? Yeah, that's an interesting question, too. Um, So some of the organizers I've talked with over, you know, the past few months, especially have mentioned that they they know they're going to see pushback from their employer. They know that it's going to be a tough road ahead for them as they try to not only form a union, but get their first contract. And they're prepared for that. We've also seen some instances where employers will voluntarily recognize a union, which mm-hmm. just means that they make it a little bit of an easier path for those those folks, their, their, uh, their employees to create a union and organize. Um, all that to say, you know, I hear this from time to time from various labor experts that if you have employees who are trying to unionize, there's already something they're unhappy with. And there's already, you know, inherently some sort of adversarial relationship. And, you know, that's a big generalization to make. But in a lot of these cases, people wouldn't be organizing and wouldn't be unionizing if they didn't have some sort of motivation to do so. All right. I want to talk about some underreported stories Kristen, you talked with an author who wrote a book about trans teens navigating life, and the book was added to the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom, which documents attempts to ban and challenge books in libraries and schools. And they compile a list of some of the most banned and challenged books from 2010 to 2019. And the book Beyond Magenta, which was listed as number 27, can you tell us more about this story? Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously book bans across the country have been getting a lot of attention right now. Um, I think one thing that can get lost, though, is some of the individual titles and what they kind of reflect about the larger story here. Um, and Beyond Magenta is a really good example of that. It's by uh, Susan Cooklin, who is from Philadelphia. She was born and raised here. Um, she herself is not trans, but she um, profiled six 
trans teens. She's also a photographer, so she took photos of some of them, included them in the book. And basically, you know, the book is is geared, is conversational. In a lot of ways, it's geared toward other teens. And it's far from crass or really um, inflammatory in any way, but it's been the subject of a lot of bans. Um, and a lot of those Objections have claimed that it's sexually explicit or just protested the general LGBT content. And in addition to the ranking you mentioned across the decade, the 2010s, it was also just the top 10 of the year, I think three separate times in 2015, uh, 2019, and 2021. It was not on the most recent one this week. And I talked to Susan and she herself said she was kind of blindsided by this because she writes a lot of books. She's covered topics that can be seen as difficult. Like uh, she's talked to teens on death row. She's talked to wow. pregnant teens. She's uh, covered AIDS, other topics that can um, get a little thorny. And she said that she's never seen this kind of blowback that she's seeing now with Beyond Magenta. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this doesn't stop her from writing these, these books, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course not. And, you know, she... She's been very vocal about defending her book, that it really, in her mind, needs defending. But uh, there's a lot of books like hers on the list uh, frequently. I, I think the last two years, half or over half of the books, the ejections have been related to LGBT content. And so it's not stopping people from writing these books, but I think the concern is who can access them and who gets to read them because there have been, uh, there's been a sharp rise in challenges. Um, I think if you look at the ALA lists in a typical year for a while, they were documenting, I think somewhere around 300 challenges. And I think that doubled by last year. I think we're well past, well into the thousands now. Wow. There's definitely been a, a steep incline or a, a rise um, in the number of challenges, even though, you know, polling reveals that most people across party lines, I think about 70% don't support book bans. Interesting. Also this week, I read uh, from City Council that City Council member Kendra Brooks and a group of labor leaders and workers are asking for an additional $1.2 million in funding for the Department of Labor's Office of Worker Protections. Lizzie, can you tell us a little bit more about what they're trying to push for? Yeah, so this office that the the budget would go toward uh, is is fairly new, at least in the way that it currently exists. The 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 city back in 2020, there was um, a, a question on the ballot for voters as to whether the city of Philadelphia should create a department of labor, and a lot of that work had been getting done in other parts of the mayor's office, but by making it a whole department. And getting it into the city charter, it would mean that future mayors wouldn't be able to say, okay, workers' rights aren't important to me, and therefore we are dismantling this. Okay. So that three years later, when the when Mayor Kenny proposed a budget a few weeks back, it included just under four million dollars for for the department. 
And the the Office of Worker Protections in particular is trying to get a lot more because what they're saying is that they have right now a limited number of investigators that can handle complaints about violations of workers' rights and they need more. And they also want to get more people so that they can get out there and tell people, hey, here are your rights as a worker. Here's what you do if you think those rights are being violated. And here's what you can ask for when you go to work to make sure that you're getting treated fairly and treated legally. So, you know, after only three years, they're they're just getting started and they want some more funding so that they can get enough people in that office to do more of that work and get the word out better. And before we head out into the weekend, I just want to say this Sunday is the 2023 Independence Blue Cross Broad Street Run. It's happening. Have any of y'all ever participated in this race? I did a few years ago, but it's been a while. Yeah, and I hear they're going to get rained on this weekend, maybe. I know, so. I know. A few, a few years ago, I participated in a run, and it did rain a little bit, um, and it, it wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, have you ever participated? No, I was just going to say, you both are much braver than me. Uh, I don't think I have the constitution or the stamina. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, very challenging. Um, like, I, I just, I I love the the community vibe when everyone's out on the street cheering. There's like funny signs you can read. I just love it. I used to also volunteer with the North Philly Aztecs, which is a football cheer organization. My kids were a part of that. And we used to give out water and Gatorade to the runners on Broad and Allegheny. So yeah, there's lots of music. Um, But yeah, just a reminder to folks, if you're driving around the city on Sunday, there will be a bunch of street closures along Broad Street. And if you're participating in the race, make sure you stretch, hydrate, and get plenty of rest this weekend. Good luck. Lizzie McLellan Ravitch, workplace reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and Kristen Hunt, senior staff writer for Philly Voice. Thank you both for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's time for the tip of the day, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. There's a lot of great weekend events to check out in the Hey Philly newsletter. Also, add this one to your list. Flavors on the Avenue 2023. It's an outdoor street festival in South Philly, which happens from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. this Sunday, April 30th on East Passyunk Avenue. There's going to be live entertainment, vendors, and of course, food. Double check the weather report, though, and also give yourself plenty of time to find parking. If you have a tip of the day, we'd love to hear from you, too. Call or text us at 215 259 8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producer is Abby Fritz. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe. Bye.